Hey guys, I'm Pastor Jason Shirley. I'm the associate pastor right here at Word of Life Church in Carlsbad, New Mexico. And I'm really excited that you have joined us today online. Just a couple of things. I want you to drop us a line if you're watching wherever in the world and let us know where you're watching from. We would love to hear from you. Second, if you want to partner with us today in a financial way, then you can give by texting 84321 and just text your amount, or you can go to our website, wolcarlsbad.com, and you can click the Give tab and give that way. The last thing today is that if you have any needs or anything like that that we can partner with you on, then drop us a line and send us that, and we're going to partner with you in prayer. I believe today is going to be a wonderful day. I want you to open up your heart to receive from the Word of God today and always remember that God is madly in love with you. Let's get to the service. Praise God. Well, it is good to say that we've got a team on the mission field today. Because that is something we have not been able to say since all this COVID mess started. And... Uh, you know, it, it is good. We are so excited to be back on the mission field. Why? Because we're a missions church. And uh, God has called us to, to go into all the world and to preach the gospel. And, uh, you know, we've been doing, during all this time, we've done the things we could do. Uh, you know, every month, I meet with uh, Filipino pastors online and, and mentor them and encourage them. Um, you know, we, we still sow in a financial way into, uh, in, into missions. Uh, we've been doing meetings with uh, uh, what they're called village meetings in uh, Pakistan online. And uh, we've been seeing hundreds and hundreds of people come to Christ, as well as hundreds of, of testimonies of, of uh, miraculous healings. Praise God. And so we, we've been doing what we could do, but there is a time when you just need to get back on the field. Praise God. And so I am excited that we are back on the field. And in fact, at the end of, of the month of August, the 25th of August, my... My plan is, uh, in fact, this week I should be purchasing uh, a plane ticket uh, to the Philippines. And, uh, you know, looking so forward to that, uh, it's been, uh, well, the, begin the beginning of March in 2020 was the last time I was there. And uh, so since that time, we have taken uh, on... Uh, about a, about 10 pastors in the Philippines that, that we mentor and, and we're pastors to those pastors. Praise God. And, and so we've been doing that, but I have not been able to go see them since we, we took them on. Praise God. And so that, that's why I am so uh, thrilled and excited uh, to tell you Although I replaced these just before service, I don't know. Can, can you help me here with this real quick? Yeah, but it's a red light. 
I did not know how important it was. I mean, I, I knew it was important that, uh, that we go and be with those pastors. But until um, the last couple of trips that I was there, I didn't realize how important it was to them that we come. Not just to, uh, you know, not just send support, but, but to come and see them face to face and how much of an encouragement that is to them. And so, um, you know, I just, I just say that to say that it's time to be back, you know, and, and the thing is, we said we're a missions church, and uh, I believe this, that uh, my, my friend Terry Scott, who's going to be with the Lord, used to always say this. He said, any church, actually he was quoting someone else, and I don't know who that was, but, uh, but he said, any church that is not involved in missions has lost the, its reason for existence. You know, and and I believe that's true. Any church that does not do that is not involved in missions has lost its reason for existence. And so, you know, I, I believe that we have uh, that we're still here today because we've made a strong commitment to to missions. And uh, and so, anyway, I'm going to bring the word of the Lord to you today, and I am excited because it has been. A couple of weeks since I've this, this been three weeks that I haven't preached, and uh, well, I haven't preached officially, but uh, you know I've preached a lot. But uh, uh, but anyway, well, today we are wrapping up our summer series that we have been calling "Knowing Jesus," and I believe this is the most important thing as a believer. Once you receive Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, there is nothing more important you, than you can do after that than get to know Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Now, when you receive Jesus, well, I came to know the Lord. Well, no, you didn't come to know the Lord. You are coming to know the Lord. You accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. You came to know Him as your Savior. But there's so much more to knowing the Lord than knowing Him as your Savior. Praise God. To knowing that He that He died for your sins, there's so much more than that. He Yes, He did, and that's the most important, by far the most important thing. That right there, knowing Jesus as your Savior, uh, seals your eternal destiny. Praise God. But... There's more than just going to heaven. Uh, how many believe there's, there's more to your, your relationship with God than just going to heaven? More to being saved than just making sure you don't go to hell, that you go to heaven. And, you know, and we don't diminish the importance of that because that is by far the most important. But... You know, God wants us, he wants us to know him. He wants us to know him. He wants us to, to have an intimate, personal relationship with him. Yeah. Um, the Apostle Paul said this in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 
He says, when I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. Now, um, there have been some erroneous ideas about what the childish things are that he's talking about. Uh, some have said, well, you know, he's talking about spiritual gifts there. He's talking about speaking with tongues. And he says, when I became a man, I put away childish things. So he, he says, I, uh, some people say, well, he quit speaking with tongues. No, that's not what he said. Well, I, he, he said, I put away childish things. And he says, I thought as a child. I understood as a child. And I spoke as a child. So there's three things that he names that are childish things. And, and it's not that, and if we were to say that, uh, you know, well, uh, did he stop speaking? No, he didn't stop speaking. He just stopped speaking like a child. Did he stop thinking? No, I, I know some Christians have. But, uh, you know, he didn't stop thinking. He didn't stop understanding. He just stopped doing those things in a childish way. You see, because there's a, there's a childish way to do things, and there's a mature way to do things. And so he began to understand, and I want to focus on this understanding part today. There, you know, there's, there's more in that verse, but I want us to focus on this understanding part. He says, I stopped understanding like a child, you know. And uh, a, a child um, sees things in a in a very um, in, in a very limited way, you know. Uh, a, a child, for instance, they understand discipline in a very limited way. Well, uh, you know. Mama's mad at me because I did this. Well, that's really not the, I mean, Mama might be mad, but uh, that's really not the point of the discipline. The discipline is to make that child, you know, and this is something we did when our children were small. We would say every time, you know, we, we would administer the rod of correction. But when we did so, we would always, there was always uh, some explanation that went with it. And the explanation that went with it, do you know why daddy spanks you? Do you know why mama spanks you? Well, the, the correct answer was to teach me, you know, to, to, to teach me to, to not do these things. To but, now, why did I want you to not do these things? Because I love you and and so how does how does a spanking help well a spanking helps because it it, um, it drives foolishness far from me that's proverbs right there the rod of correction drives foolishness far from a child and so it, it drives out foolishness and so the you know there was an explanation that went with they understood on a very limited level, but we wanted to raise their understanding of that. The understanding of 
correction, the understanding of discipline is to produce something that is far better than what, than, than what you're experiencing right now. Praise God. You know, I was, I was talking with someone um, this last week, and I was, I, was, I was bringing some correction into their life. And, uh, you know, as, as I was bringing that correction, uh, it was not being received very well. And um, then I said, I said, I want you to know this. I am very proud of you. And there is better things for you. What you're, what, what you're involved with right now and the things that you're doing right now, this is not good for you. This is going to be a hindrance to you. This is going to hurt. I'm very proud of you, and I want you to achieve all that God has for you. And, and, and where you're at right now, you know, I'm proud of what you've done, but this is not the limit. This, this, is, this is not your ceiling. I want you to go beyond this. And when I said those words, I'm proud of you, the person's countenance changed. I could see it right in front of my eyes that their countenance changed, and they began to receive what I was saying. But up until that time, they were not understanding. They were, they were thinking, I'm just, just being difficult. I'm just being a you know, hard to get along with, you know, but, but that wasn't it at all. It's because I could see way beyond where they were, and I, I wanted to help them to get beyond this place and get on to what God has ahead for them. Praise God. And so I had to begin to, uh, to, to talk to them, but, but just those words, you know, I'm proud of you, change their countenance. And when we come to know Jesus, we begin to know him on another level. Jesus, you know, he yes, he came and he died on a cross for us. But why did he come and die on a cross for us? He came and died on a cross for us to restore us to that oneness with him. And I'm not even just, I'm not even saying a good relationship with him. I'm saying a oneness with him. Praise God. Because that's what he, you know, the Bible says that Christ in us, in Colossians, the first chapter of Colossians, that, that Christ in us is the hope of glory. Praise God. Praise God. So he wants to bring us to that place of, of oneness with him. Paul said, I became a man in my understanding. Praise God. Praise God. So I want to challenge you today to raise your level of expectation in understanding. Praise God. Because as we bring the word of God today understanding is going to come. Understanding is going to, if, if you're willing to understand, understanding is going to come. Praise God. Praise God on a higher level. Now, many times Jesus has been mischaracterized. Been mischaracterized. In Acts chapter, 20, uh, chapter 17, look at this. Get your, you got your Bible, right? All right? Um, 
Acts chapter 17, verse number 24, says God, now, now let me give you the, the context of this. The Apostle Paul is in Athens, and he is preaching a sermon. He's on uh, Mars Hill in Athens, and this is a place where great debates were heard and all this. And so Paul, walking through their city, he notices that there are all kinds of statues and inscriptions to various Greek gods. You, you know about Greek mythology, and these are the gods that they worshipped. And there were, he saw one inscription that was made to, it said, the unknown god. See, they had all these gods, but just in case there's one we don't know about, we have this one that we're going to call him the unknown God. And so Paul says, you know, he, he, he tells them, he says, I'm walking through your city and I notice, you know, there's this inscription to the unknown God. And he says, I'm here, I'm going to tell you who the unknown God is. He won't be unknown anymore. You'll have to change your inscription. It's the, it, this, is the, this is the God. This is the true God. Praise God. Now, he says, God who made the world and everything in it. See, he's telling them who this unknown God is. He's the one that made the world and everything in it. And since he is Lord of heaven and earth and does not dwell in temples made with hands. Where does he dwell? In us. In us. You know, and that's, that's another thing that we taught our children very early on is where, where does Jesus live? You know, not in heaven. He lives in you. Praise God. He lives in you. Now, you say, well, Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father in heaven. Yes, he is, but he came to dwell in you by the person of the Holy Spirit. All right, so he is in you. Praise God. It says, nor is he worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything. Get this, is he worshiped, nor is he worshiped with men's hands as though he needed anything, since he gives to all life and breath and all things. So you can't say, well, God needs this, God needs that. You know, you know we don't worship him with, with physical things because he doesn't need physical things. He doesn't need anything that we could give him. Praise God. Do you realize that anything you give to God is something he gave you first? You know, he says in the Psalms, he says, if I was hungry, I wouldn't ask you. <laughs> he says, I, I own the cattle on a thousand hills. They're mine. So if I'm, if I'm hungry, I wouldn't be asking you. And so... He doesn't need anything. You see, we have characterized Jesus as a needy God. Do you know that Jesus does not even need? We, we think that it's, that it's an ego trip, that he needs you to worship him. No. Everything we do for him is ultimately for ourselves. It's ultimately for us. 
See, here, here's, uh, you know, even under the old covenant in Malachi, he talks about bringing all the tithe into the storehouse. And what does he say when we bring the tithe into the storehouse? He says, that there may be meat in my house, that there may be food in my house. But who's the food for? Does God need the food? No, the food's for you. Praise God. You bring the tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food for you. Praise God. Now, there, there's, there's a, a, a lesson to be learned there, but that's really not my point today. My point is that he is not the needy God. He's not always needing this and needing that. Need, you know, he doesn't, I'll say it this way, he doesn't need his ego stroked. All right? See, because he's not an egomaniac. You know, we've made him out to be an egomaniac. He needs me to worship him. No, you need to worship him. Praise God. Praise God. Let's continue with verse number 26. It says, And he made from one blood every nation of men who dwell on the face of the earth, and has determined their pre-appointed times and boundaries of their dwellings so that they should seek the Lord. Now notice the way he says this here. He has made of one blood, every made from one blood, every nation of men who dwell on all the face of the earth and determined their pre-appointed times and boundaries of their dwellings Notice this, these words, so that. In other words, this is why he did that. So that they should seek the Lord. You see, everything he did was so they should seek the Lord. In hope that they might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. He's not hiding. But you've got to want to find him. And he's saying, he's saying I, God has put you in, in, in the place and the time when you, uh, in, in history, and he has put you there so that you would seek the Lord and find him. He wants to be found by you. He says he's not far He's right there. He's right there. Praise God. So he's not hiding from you. Praise God. And then he goes on and he says that in verse number 28, he says, For in him we live and move and have our being. As also some of your own poets have said, For we are his offspring. You're his offspring. And then he goes on, verse 29, he says, Therefore, since we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, something shaped by art and man's devising. Now, he's telling us that the creation can't make the creator. You see, 
And this is where, in our culture and in our society today, many people are making their own God. They're devising their own God. They're thinking, well, this is the way I want God to be. This is the God I want to worship. This is the God I, I, you know, and so they're making up their own God. But he says, the, the creation can't make the creator, can't create the creator. He said that, that he's, he's not like silver or gold or or, or, or any of these things, any art or anything like that that you could create and that you could make. And he says, uh, truly, these times of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere to repent. Now, the word repent, I've said this many, many times, the word repent just means to change your mind. All right, in the context of what he's talking about here, change your mind about what? Change your mind about who he is. Change your mind about, uh, about what he's like. Let him define himself. You don't define him for you. Okay? You, you don't decide who you want him to be, and you create your own God in the likeness of what you want him to be. You let him define himself to you. Praise God. Hallelujah. Now, in Acts chapter 17, verse 31, he goes on and he says, Because he has appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained, he has given assurance of this to all by raising him from the dead. All right, who did he raise from the dead? Jesus. Raised Jesus from the dead. So the man he's talking about is Jesus. So here he says that he will judge the world in righteousness by Jesus. Romans chapter 2, verse number 16 says this, says, In the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. He will judge you by Jesus Christ. Now, I used to hear this, that, you know, okay, he's going to judge you by Jesus Christ. So he's going to stand Jesus up. And he's going to stand you up next to Jesus and see how you measure up. Man, I'm sure glad that's not true. I'd be in a whole world of hurt if he's going to compare me to Jesus. You'd be in a mess if he's going to compare you to Jesus. So what's he talking about? That he'll judge you by Christ Jesus. All right? Everything Jesus did, you, you, we know, can we all agree that Jesus came to this earth, he lived the sinless life, perfect obedience to the Father, was with totally and completely without sin, yet he went to the cross and he became sin on the cross. Are we, are we in agreement so far? 
He became sin on the cross. He paid the penalty for your sin and my sin on the cross. It was not his that he paid for. It was yours and mine that he paid for at the cross. And so when God says he's going to judge the world by Christ Jesus, he is going to judge you based on what Jesus did. You see that? He judged Jesus by what you did. Isn't that good? I mean, that's, that's the gospel in a nutshell right there. God judged Jesus on the basis of what you did. So when you think about that, that Jesus hung on a cross and the judgment that fell upon him was supposed to come upon you, but instead God laid it upon Jesus. And because he did that, because Jesus did that, now the righteousness of Jesus based on the fact that he was perfectly obedient to the Father, now his righteousness is counted to you. Praise God. So when God judges the world by Christ Jesus, he's going to stand you Jesus up and he's going to say, what did you do with him? I mean, that, that's really the only, the only criteria. That's really the only the only. Uh, basis for judgment is what did you do with him? Did you accept what he did? Or are you going to stand here before Almighty God and insist on paying for your own sins? You can do that if you want to. If you choose to do that, let me just tell you, if you choose to do that, you will spend eternity paying for your own sins which would be ridiculous considering that Jesus already paid for them. But if you insist, why would anyone insist on paying for their own sins when Jesus already paid for them? But he's going to judge based on what you did with Jesus. Did you believe Jesus? Did you accept him? Was he enough for you? Praise God. And if he was, then everything that belongs to Jesus is yours. Hallelujah. If not, you're going to get everything you deserve. Do you want what Jesus deserved or do you want what you deserve? I'll take what Jesus deserved. You know. And so here's what we've got to understand, why Jesus did what he did. You know, he, he came and he died on Paul said, I, I started understanding like a man. I started understanding the, 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 uh, in, in, I can't say the word, intricacies is what I'm trying to say. I started to understand the intricacies of what Jesus did. I started understanding why he came. I started understanding why he had to be born of a virgin. Why? So he wouldn't inherit my sin. 
or he wouldn't inherit. Let me rephrase that. He so he wouldn't inherit sin of his own, but he could take on my sin. He couldn't take on my sin if he had sin of his own. Praise God. So I begin to understand why he did what he did. I begin to understand why he had to die on a cross. You know, I when I understood like a child, I understood that. Well, you know, he died on a cross. I don't know why. I don't have any idea why he died on a cross. I just know he did. Well, because he loved me. Well, okay, so how did dying on a cross figure into that? Well, he died on a cross so that all of my sin could come upon him. So that he could become the curse for me. So that all of the curse could come upon him. That's why he did what he did. And, and, and the more I understand that, the more I am able to walk in and experience the benefit of what he did. Praise God. I began to understand like a, like a man and know why he did what he did. Praise God. Now, go to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. Verse 21, it says, And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, virgins shall be with child and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Now, I've learned something in, in a lot of years of, of studying God's Word, studying the Bible. I, I, I have learned that when something seems odd, seems out of place, seems to not make sense, I notice that. Because Holy Spirit is about to teach me something about that. You know, didn't you notice that to be a... Did anybody notice something odd about that? His name shall be called Jesus, that it might be fulfilled that the prophet said that his name would be called Emmanuel. So how does being called Jesus fulfill that the prophet said he would be called Emmanuel. Well, what does Jesus mean? Jesus means Jehovah is salvation. Emmanuel means God with us. So two, they're, they're, they're two different names and they're two different meanings. You know, we could, we, you're thinking, okay, well, maybe they mean the same thing. No, they don't mean the same thing. Jesus is Jehovah, is salvation. Emmanuel is God with us. And so I begin to think, okay, all right, Holy Spirit, you're going to have to help me figure this one out. All right, why would being called Jesus fulfill that the prophet said he would be Emmanuel? Well, here's the deal. He became salvation so that God could be with us. 
You see that? He became, Jesus became salvation so God could be with us. Praise God. God with us. Now, here, under the old covenant, there was a tabernacle with a part of that tabernacle being the Holy of Holies. And the Holy of Holies was a place that only the high priest, not just any priest, but only the high priest could enter into the Holy of Holies, and he could only go in there one time a year. And he could not go in there until he had offered sacrifices for his own sin first. Then he could enter there and make sacrifices for the people. And the Holy of Holies was the dwelling place of God. So when Jesus, the, the, the Holy of Holies was separated from the common man by a veil that prevented man from, it was a barrier between God and man. And so God dwells in the Holy of Holies and the priest would come and he would take those sacrifices and, and, and carry the blood of the sacrifice into the Holy of Holies and offer it on the mercy seat of God. God would then accept the blood of an animal as propitiation for the sins of the people. And if the high priest, if he walked out of there, you knew that your sacrifice was accepted. Now, if he didn't walk out of there, he had a rope tied around him and they drug him out. Now, I don't know of any scriptural examples of any time they actually drug someone out, but that was, the, that was the practice. Just in case the sacrifice is not accepted, you know, we, we, we can't even go in there and get the dead body. So we got to drag it out. But God was separated from the people. But God never wanted to be separated from the people. He never wanted to be separated from you. Praise God. And so when, when Jesus is in Samaria and he's talking to the woman at the well there, he says, the day will come and now is when the true worshipers will worship God in spirit and in truth. They won't worship on this mountain or in Jerusalem. They're going to worship in spirit and in truth. You see, you became the, the apostle Paul said, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? He dwells in you. You see, the holy of holies, the dwelling place of God is in you. Because of what Jesus did, because he saved us from our sins, now God could come out of the Holy of Holies. When Jesus died on the cross, the veil was torn in two from the top to the bottom, signifying that it was the work of God that did this. God tore the veil in two, and he said, I'm coming out to be with my people. I'm coming out to be God with you. His name shall be called 
God with us. Hallelujah. But before he could be God with us, he had to be God. Jehovah is salvation. Praise God. He had to save his people from their sins. Now, he didn't save you to sin. Save you from sin. Praise God. Praise God. Now, let's look at this. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse number 10. Here's what he says. Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested where? In your body. That the life of Jesus may be manifested in your body. And we thought he just saved us so we'd be nicer. And so one day we wouldn't have to go to hell. We just thought that that he saved us so we could go to heaven. No, he saved you so the life of Jesus could be manifested in your body. And he's not even talking about the glorified body here. He's not even talking about the new body you're going to get when you get to heaven. He's talking about the body that you live in right now, here today. He is saying that he became salvation so that his life could be manifest. See, here's what it is. He moved on the inside of you by the person of the Holy Spirit, and now he lives through you and out of you. And because he lives through you and out of you, his life starts showing up in your body. Came to Connect Group Wednesday night, and Albert was teaching. He was talking about forgiveness. Why can you forgive? Why can you forgive someone? Because the life of Jesus is being manifested in your body. Why does your behavior change? Because the life of Jesus is being manifested in your body. You know, why, uh, why, are you, why do you have joy? Because the life of Jesus is manifested in your body. Why do you have peace? Because the life of Jesus is manifested in your body. You could go to Galatians chapter, uh, to, to Galatians and read there where it says, uh, and the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering. Why, why are all those fruits, why are they manifested in your life? Because the life of Jesus is being manifested in your body. And the life of Jesus is manifested in your body because he came out of the Holy of Holies and he entered into you. Praise God. He came out of that, that separated dwelling place that he had. He came out and he moved on the inside of you. He is God with us. God with you. God through you. God out of you. God, the all-consuming God is consuming your life with his life. That's what he wanted. That was his goal the whole time. Praise God. The Apostle John wrote this. He says, as he is, so are we in this world. Hallelujah. How is he? How is he? 
you know, what do you, what do you know about him? This is why it's important that you know Jesus, because if you, know, if you don't know Jesus, you don't know what you are. If you don't know how he is, you don't know how you are. You, you don't know that, you know, Jesus is not sick. Jesus is not poor. Jesus is not depressed. Jesus is not angry. Jesus is not bitter. As he is, so are we in this world. Not someday when we all get to heaven, but now in this world. As he is, as he presently is, so are you in this world because the life of Jesus is to be manifested in your mortal body. Praise God. And the Bible says this. It says, if the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, then the same spirit that raised him from the dead will, will quicken or will make alive your mortal body. Praise God. This is not the hope of when we all get to heaven. This is the hope for today, now. But you got to realize what he is now. you got to realize that the hope of glory is dwelling on the inside of you. This is who God created you to be. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, here's what some... Uh, Romans chapter 6. For sin shall not have dominion over you. For you are not under law, but under grace. Many have made the mistake of thinking that because I'm under grace, there's no regulation. Well, you know, they, they see law as the regulation. But grace, well, you know, you're, you're free from regulation. I, well, you know, no, nobody's going to tell me what to do. I'm not under law. I'm under grace. You know, I can do anything I want to do because I'm not under law. I am under grace. But notice what it says. It says you are under grace. You're under grace. It didn't say that because of grace you're not under anything. No, you're not under law, but you are under grace. And because you are under grace, you're not under sin. Sin shall not have dominion over you because you are under grace. Now, here's what that word under means. That word, it, it, is, it means that you are under regulated by. Hmm. So, it doesn't mean that there's no regulation. It means your regulation has changed. That law is no longer the regulating agent in your life. You, you don't do right because the law said do right. You don't not steal because the law said thou shalt not steal. You don't, uh, you know, you don't refrain from bearing false witness because the law said 
you shall not bear false witness. But grace has become the regulatory agent in your life. Trouble is, sad to say, most preachers don't trust grace. And they think that those of us who preach grace preach that there's no regulation. But that's not what it is. Law regulated you by a set of commandments and ordinances from the outside. Grace, remember we said the life of Jesus manifested? There is the regulation right there. The life of Jesus manifested in your body. Hallelujah. The life of Jesus manifested in your body. If the life of Jesus is being manifested in your body, does Jesus want to steal? No. Does Jesus want to bear false witness? No. Does Jesus want to commit adultery? No. The life of Jesus is, is manifested in your body, praise God, from the, the regulation is now from the inside because the life of Jesus that is on the inside of you becomes the regulatory agent in your life. So the, it's, it's not an absence of regulation. It is an internal regulation as opposed to an external regulation. Praise God. And because Jesus moved on the inside of you, I mean, think of it this way. Many, people, many Christians say this. They say, well, um, you know, wouldn't it have been wonderful to be here when Jesus was, was here, walking on this earth? Wouldn't that have been wonderful? Well, if I read my Bible correctly, it tells me that I've got it better. I've got it better. See, because the life of Jesus, when he was here in the flesh, was manifested before me. Manifested before me. I could see Jesus doing signs and wonders. I could see how Jesus loved the people. I could see how Jesus did this. I could see how, Je how he taught. I could see how Jesus, you know, I could see it with my eyes because it's manifested before me. But now he says, because I am under this new covenant, because Jesus went back to heaven and he moved on the inside of me by the person of the Holy Spirit, now his life is manifested in me, not before me. Praise God. Praise God. So if I want to see Jesus, well, it's manifested in me. Praise God. His life is manifested in me. He lives his life through me. This is why the Apostle Paul said, it is no longer I that live, but it's Christ that lives in me. In the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. I live by faith, the faith of the Son of God. Notice he didn't say faith in the Son of God. He said, I live by the faith of the Son of God. That means it's his faith. 
Well, I just don't have enough faith. Yeah, but he does. And he's in you. Hallelujah. I mean, let that sink in a little bit. Just, just, just soak that up for a minute. I don't have enough faith. But he does. And his life is being manifested in me. Praise God. So if he has enough faith, that counts for me having enough faith. Because we have become one. If you've become joined to the Lord, the Scripture says, you have become one with Him. Been joined to the Lord, you've become one with Him. So His life is lived through you. His faith begins to flow out of you. Praise God. So I challenge you to say this. So, you know, you face a situation and you think, well, man, I'm having trouble believing that. I'm having trouble believing for that. Just think of it. Does Jesus have any trouble believing for that? No. No problem. No problem. Jesus didn't see it as a problem when he had a multitude of, as some estimate, 20,000 people, and they were hungry, and he had no food. They came up with five loaves and two fish and said, here, we got this. Jesus didn't see that as a problem. He took the bread, and he broke it, gave it to his disciples, gave thanks for it, gave it to his disciples. He said, here now, go feed the people. Have them all sat down, and, and you distribute this. And it said, well, how many times did he break it? Well, I think Jesus broke it. He had 12 disciples, so he probably broke it 12 times. Broke it 12 times and gave a little bit to each of them. And he said, now go feed the people. How are we going to do that? I got one piece. Well, they started doing what Jesus did. Jesus broke it and gave it to them, so they just started breaking it and giving it to the people. Praise God. And so, you know, Jesus didn't see that as a problem. Jesus didn't see it as a problem when they came to him and said, you owe taxes. He said, Peter, go catch a fish. First fish you catch, look in his mouth, and there'll be a coin there. Just take that and pay your taxes and mine. Jesus didn't see that as a problem. Jesus didn't see it as a problem when they came to him and they said, Lazarus is sick, and he knew on the inside of them that, that Lazarus was dead. Jesus went and Martha comes out and she says, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Jesus didn't see the problem there. He said, he'll live again. Martha says, well, yeah, you know, I know he'll live again in the resurrection. Jesus said, I am the resurrection. He didn't see that as a problem. Jesus didn't see it as a problem when they tried to throw him over a cliff. He just walked through the middle of them. Jesus didn't see that as a problem. Jesus, see, a lot of the stuff we deal with that we see as huge issues, Jesus didn't see those things as a problem. He doesn't see it as a problem 
when a leper comes and touches him. Oh, my goodness. A leper. This, is, this stuff's contagious, and he just touched me. Or he, he's close to me. Now, actually, the Scripture says that, that uh, Jesus touched him. He came to crying out to Jesus, and Jesus touched him. He didn't see that as a problem. You know, a lot of the stuff we see as big deals, Jesus didn't see it as a big deal. Praise God. And so when he says the life of Jesus is manifested in your body, he said we've got to change our understanding of Jesus. Jesus didn't just come so you could go to heaven. Jesus came so he could be joined to you and his life could be duplicated in you. Praise God. He could live through you. This is why he came. This is why he did what he did. Praise God. Praise God. Now, Grace doesn't mean no regulation. It means being regulated from the inside. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Now, get this. Who's greater, Moses or Jesus? Okay, one person knows. Okay, who's, who's greater, Moses or Jesus? Jesus is greater than Moses. Now, let, let's see this. In Hebrews chapter 3, verse number 1, says, Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Jesus, Christ Jesus, who was faithful to him who appointed him, who appointed Jesus. Father God appointed Jesus. And he says, Jesus was faithful to Father God, as Moses also was faithful in all his, that word his there is not referring to Moses, it's referring to God. It says, so who, also, who was faithful to him who appointed him, uh, as Moses was faithful in all God's house. For this one, Jesus, has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, inasmuch as he who built the house has more honor than the house. Who built the house? God built the house. He says he has more honor than the servant. Notice what he goes on. He says, here, he says, for every house is built by someone, but he who built all things is God. And Moses indeed was faithful in all his, God's house. Moses was faithful in God's house as a servant. Get that? Moses was faithful as a servant. 
but Christ as a son, or Christ is faithful as a son over his own house. Now get this, Moses was faithful in somebody else's house. He was a servant in someone else's house. But Jesus was faithful in his own house. Now, people say, well, you know, not under law, but under grace. All right. Where did law come from? The law was given by Moses. But grace came by Jesus Christ. Praise God. Grace came by Jesus Christ. So when we're talking about Jesus and Moses here, we're talking about grace or law. So he says, um, you know, Moses was a faithful servant. And I was meditating on this the other day, and I began to see this. The Bible says that the law was given as a tutor to bring us to Christ. So let's think of it this way. Law was given, or Moses was the babysitter. Law was the babysitter. But Jesus, grace, it's his own house. Now, who could handle your kids better, the babysitter or you? You know, talking about regulating, regulating the, the house. Who could regulate the house better, babysitter or you? Well, you would regulate your own kids better than the babysitter could. So Jesus, grace, is a better regulator than law is. Praise God. Moses was just a servant. He's just the babysitter to bring you to Christ. The babysitter is just there till mom and dad get home. Right? Moses was here till Jesus came. Law was here till Jesus came. But now that Jesus has come, babysitter can go home. Because the better regulator is here. Grace is a much better regulator. I'd much rather live under grace than under law. Praise God. Praise God. We need to get that. We need to understand that Jesus is the master of the house. Hallelujah. He's the master of the house. Praise God. Well, Father, we want to thank you today. We thank you for your word that is truth, that is spirit and life to us. Father, we thank you that grace is has come. Grace has come. We are no longer under law, but under grace. Hallelujah. Maybe you're here today and you've never received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Maybe you're watching me online. You've never received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. Well, today I want to give you that opportunity. Because it is when you receive Jesus as your Savior, He becomes salvation. God 
is salvation. Jehovah is salvation. But he wants to be God with you. Praise God. He will save you. And by the person of the Holy Spirit, he will move on the inside of you. And you will never be the same again. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus said you must be born again. Well, that just simply means that you pass from that place of death into life. Praise God. Hallelujah. Jesus said that except you be born again, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. You cannot. It's impossible. Why is that? Because on your own, you could never, ever meet the standard. But Jesus met the standard for you. You will receive him. Remember, I said God will judge the world on the basis of what Jesus did. And, and did you accept him? Praise God. Praise God. Well, how do you receive Jesus? Well, if you believe that Jesus, the Son of God, came to this earth, lived here, went to a cross, paid for your sins in full, and then rose again from the dead, having disposed of them. Praise God. Then, if you will acknowledge that verbally, and make a verbal commitment to that, Scripture says you will be saved. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So if you believe what I've just told you, if you believe the message that I've preached today, if you believe what I've said about Jesus and who He is and what He did for you, I want to lead you in a prayer right now. I'd like everyone to say this with me. You can never confess Jesus is your Lord too much. Praise God. So if you do this and you mean what you say, if you don't mean it, nothing changes. But if you believe what you're saying, then according to God's own word, you will be saved. So pray this with me. Say, God in heaven, I believe you sent your son Jesus that he died on a cross paid the penalty for all my sin that you raised him from the dead so I could have new life today I choose Jesus to be my Lord my Savior thank you for saving me amen prayed that prayer and you meant it, then according to God's own word, you are now saved. Hallelujah. Now, if you're here today, if you're watching online, I'd like you to go to my website, wolcarlsbed.com, and there's an offer for, a, for an e-book that you can download absolutely free of charge. There's a couple little videos you can watch there and that will help you get started in your walk with the Lord book is called I Choose Jesus, and it's absolutely free of charge to you, unless uh, you go to, to uh, Kindle, I think they charge a buck, uh, but uh, that's their doing, not ours. We want you to have it free. Praise God. So anyway, you can download that book free of charge. Praise God. And then I'd like you to either fill out the, the, uh, the questions online or or the little blue card in the back of the seat in front of you just says, I chose, today I chose Jesus. Just 
fill that out for us. We want to rejoice with you. Praise God. We want to know. Praise God so we can help you. Hallelujah. Now, I, I want to give you an invitation that if you need healing in your body, um, I want to lay hands on the sick this morning. So I'm going to ask you if you need healing in your body, if we could just very, very quickly just come and uh, we want to minister healing to you. Anyone, you need healing in your body today. Praise God. Jesus the healer is in the house. Praise God. Now, just, just go ahead and let, let's come and, and uh, we're going to lay hands on the sick. The Bible says that if there's any sick among you, call for the elders of the church well, by coming you're calling praise God and let them pray over them it says the prayer of faith would save the sick and the Lord would raise them up praise God hallelujah it says they would that those who believe would lay hands on the sick and they would recover and anyone today that's okay if there's not anyone I don't mind that everybody's healthy praise God we don't mind that at all. Praise God. But we don't want you to leave with sickness in your body. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. Father, in the name of Jesus. Father, we just release the healing anointing of God to go into Crystal's body right now to produce the cure. Father, I thank you that Jesus bore her sickness, disease, and pain in his body. We release that healing anointing to go into her right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, to drive out every sickness, every disease, and every pain. Receive it now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Father, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Father, we just act in obedience to your word. We lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. In Jesus' name, I'm telling you, you shall recover. In the name of Jesus. Receive it now. like to do before we close today Jesus talked about the promise of the Father what he was referring to was what we call the baptism with the Holy Spirit if you are a born again believer if you have received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior then you are eligible to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit praise God it's a gift all you have to do is receive it. Jesus said, everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks will find. Praise God. He said that, a heaven, that an earthly father desires to give good gifts to his children. How much more does your heavenly father desire to give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? He's telling us everyone who asks receives. So if you are a, a, a child of God, if you are a born-again believer in Jesus, then if you ask, 
for the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, there is not a chance. This is what, this is, this is my words of, of what Jesus said. He said, there is not a chance that Father would say no. Praise God. No chance. So if you ask, you shall receive. Hallelujah. So here's what I want us to do right now. Let's ask. All right? Praise God. Just say this with me. Say, Father, Jesus said that you have a gift for me. And he says that if I would ask, I would receive. So, Father, I ask you right now, fill me with your Holy Spirit, just like you said you would. I receive that gift right now. Jesus' name, amen. Now take a deep breath and receive the Holy Spirit. Now, when you exhale, begin to speak in that unknown tongue that's coming up from the inside of you. So you breathe in, you receive the Holy Spirit. You exhale and begin to speak in that unknown tongue. Praise God. Jesus said, Apostle Paul said that when you speak with an unknown tongue, you don't speak to men but unto God. No one understands you. See, that's that's not even you. It's a language you don't understand. But it says that when you pray in an unknown tongue, that your understanding is unfruitful. Your spirit prays, but your understanding is unfruitful. Praise God. He says you speak divine mysteries. It says that you give thanks well. It says you can pray when you don't know what to pray for, as you ought. Praise God. You can pray in that unknown tongue, and the Spirit of God prays through you according to the perfect will of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So I encourage you, if you've received that gift, I encourage you, pray in tongues every day. Bible says that when you pray in an unknown tongue, you speak divine mysteries. That's when revelation comes into your life. God begins to pour revelation into you as you begin to speak those divine mysteries. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. It's been a great day. It's been a blessed day. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Let's close the service with worship. Amen. Could you stand with me? Let's sing how good our God is. Amen.
You guys, it's been amazing worshiping with you this morning in service. You guys go and have a blessed rest of your day, and we will see you Wednesday. Y'all have a good one. Faithful is somebody else's house. He was a servant in someone else's house. But Jesus was faithful in his own house. Now, people say, well, you know, not under law, but under grace. All right. Where did law come from? The law was given by Moses. But grace came by Jesus Christ. Praise God. Grace came by Jesus Christ. So when we're talking about Jesus and Moses here, we're talking about grace or law. So he says, um, you know, Moses was a faithful servant. And I was meditating on this the other day, and I began to see this. The Bible says that the law was given as a tutor to bring us to Christ. So let's think of it this way. Law was given, or Moses was the babysitter. Law was the babysitter. But Jesus, grace, it's his own house. Now, who could handle your kids better, the babysitter or you? You know, talking about regulating, regulating the, the house. Who could regulate the house better, babysitter or you? Well, you would regulate your own kids better than the babysitter could. So Jesus, grace, is a better regulator than law is. Praise God. Moses was just a servant. He's just the babysitter to bring you to Christ. The babysitter is just there till mom and dad get home. Right? Moses was here till Jesus came. Law was here till Jesus came. But now that Jesus has come, babysitter can go home. Because the better regulator is here. Grace is a much better regulator. I'd much rather live under grace than under law. Praise God. Praise God. We need to get that. We need to understand that Jesus is the master of the house. Hallelujah. He's the master of the house. Praise God. Well, Father, we want to thank you today. We thank you for your word that is truth, that is spirit and life to us. Father, we thank you that grace is has come. Grace has come. We are no longer under law, but under grace. Hallelujah. Maybe you're here today and you've never received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Maybe you're watching me online. You've never received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. Well, today I want to give you that opportunity. Because it is when you receive Jesus as your Savior, He becomes salvation. God 
is salvation. Jehovah is salvation. But he wants to be God with you. Praise God. He will save you. And by the person of the Holy Spirit, he will move on the inside of you. And you will never be the same again. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus said you must be born again. Well, that just simply means that you pass from that place of death into life. Praise God. Hallelujah. Jesus said that except you be born again, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. You cannot. It's impossible. Why is that? Because on your own, you could never, ever meet the standard. But Jesus met the standard for you. You will receive him. Remember, I said God will judge the world on the basis of what Jesus did. And, and did you accept him? Praise God. Praise God. Well, how do you receive Jesus? Well, if you believe that Jesus, the Son of God, came to this earth, lived here, went to a cross, paid for your sins in full, and then rose again from the dead, having disposed of them. Praise God. Then, if you will acknowledge that verbally, and make a verbal commitment to that, Scripture says you will be saved. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So if you believe what I've just told you, if you believe the message that I've preached today, if you believe what I've said about Jesus and who He is and what He did for you, I want to lead you in a prayer right now. I'd like everyone to say this with me. You can never confess Jesus is your Lord too much. Praise God. So if you do this and you mean what you say, if you don't mean it, nothing changes. But if you believe what you're saying, then according to God's own word, you will be saved. So pray this with me. Say, God in heaven, I believe you sent your son Jesus that he died on a cross paid the penalty for all my sin that you raised him from the dead so I could have new life today I choose Jesus to be my Lord my Savior thank you for saving me amen prayed that prayer and you meant it, then according to God's own word, you are now saved. Hallelujah. Now, if you're here today, if you're watching online, I'd like you to go to my website, wolcarlsbed.com, and there's an offer for, a, for an e-book that you can download absolutely free of charge. There's a couple of little videos you can watch there and that will help you get started in your walk with the Lord book is called I Choose Jesus, and it's absolutely free of charge to you, unless uh, you go to, to uh, Kindle, I think they charge a buck, uh, but uh, that's their doing, not ours. We want you to have it free. 
Praise God. Thank you once again for joining us today online. We value you and we want to hear from you. If you made a decision for Christ today, you can select I Choose Jesus on our website. And we've got a couple videos for you to watch so that you can get started on your walk with God. We've also got a free ebook that you can download right from our website called I Choose Jesus. And I want to encourage you to do that. Once again, thank you for joining us and remember that God is madly in love 